This is a CNA podcast. A Muay Thai match is nothing short of an assault on the senses. The lights are bright, the crowds are loud, the movements are swift, and glory is the goal. Muay Thai, literally translated as Thai boxing, dates back to the 13th century and has been called the art of eight limbs. A symbol of Thai national pride, it has come to embody the country's culture and history. But what happens when the rest of the world begins to claim it as theirs? Hello and welcome to CNA Correspondent. I'm your host, Teresa Tang. On today's edition, we speak to Saksit Sayasambut about the past, present and future of the fight and why some are worried about its potential Olympic debut. Happy New Year, Saksith. Great to see you. Great to have you on. Happy New Year, Teresa. Reflecting on 2022, you have said that one of the highlights of last year was taking a deep dive into the sport of Muay Thai. And covering it was actually a bucket list item for you. Tell us why was telling the story of this sport so important? Yeah, it was a very important story for me because, you know, when you ask people what they think of Thailand, it's the food, it's the temples. But then not very far after that, it's Muay Thai, it's Thai boxing. So something that is so synonymous with the country and its culture that deserves to be highlighted at a very interesting juncture point. So, you know, we had the pandemic for almost three years and Muay Thai was also affected because of that. There were no fights, a lot of gyms, a lot of fighters, a lot of coaches. They had nothing to do. They also had no income. When the lockdowns were lifted, it was interesting to see how everybody is trying to reset themselves. Everybody is trying to prepare themselves for a new future. And, you know, we have highlighted some new players coming in with fresh new ideas, how to um, find new audiences for the sport. That's uh, one of the aspects that we highlight in the story. But we also look at the future, how else it could look like. It's clear passion for the sport has grown far beyond Thailand's borders. There are entire stadiums, right, dedicated to hosting major sparring events, foreigners. They've been picking up their gloves in droves. And of course, it's become a very lucrative business. Saksith, what has been driving this popularity? We have seen new money coming in and new um, investors in the big Bangkok Muay Thai stadiums, Ratchadamnon and Lumpini. Those are the biggest and most prestigious venues for Muay Thai. And they come in with new ideas. They all think they can revolutionize the sport, get new audiences and prepare for a new social media savvy. Overall speaking, it is a unique sport because... Unlike kickboxing, for example, you it, you said to yourself, it is the art of the eight limbs. You are allowed to use your elbows, your knees, mm-hmm. you can throw your opponent, which is not very common in other combat sports. And for foreigners, why are they drawn to that? Of course, they saw the sports themselves even more nowadays on social media, but also there were movies based on Muay Thai. A bad example was all the Jean-Claude Van Damme movies in the 80s, <laughs> but the modern, more representative movies was Ong Bak, for example, in the 2000s with Tony Jaa. For many foreigners that I spoke to, that was actually the inspiration to take up the sport. Yeah, it's definitely become pretty mainstream. And you mentioned the world stage. The sport, it's included in various multi-sport events, such as the World Games, for instance. But let's talk about the Olympics. This combat sport secured Olympic recognition in 2021, and it's actually eligible to be included in the Summer Games. But 
Here comes the controversy, right? Tell us about that. Yeah, I mean, there's always light and shadow about these things, right? First of all, the fact that it had gained recognition by the International Olympic Committee or the IOC in 2021 made it actually eligible to be taken up in all these multi-sport events like the World Games, which is basically the summer games for all non-Olympic sports. It took place last year in Alabama in the United States. But international Muay Thai and Thai Muay Thai are very similar, but they have some slightly different rule sets. For a very simple example, in traditional Muay Thai, you fight five rounds. In international Muay Thai, you fight only three rounds. And uh, there are also other stipulations. For example, in some cases, in some weight class, uh, you have to wear headgear. So this is something that irks traditionalists. They say, like, uh, it's diluting the sport. This has nothing to do with it. And there's a bigger fear that, you know, many of the traditions, like the pre-fight ritual, the Waikrood, which is basically a ritual dance by the fighters and paying respects to the masters, the Samara music, the music that you hear in the background of every Muay Thai fight, they're afraid that this is all going to be gone. And actually, I was watching the World Games fights of Muay Thai. To an untrained eye like me, it doesn't look much different, but I was mm. watching the Thai feed and the Thai commentators were just grumbling the whole time <laughs> saying like, ah, what is this? This is not Muay Thai. I'm not sure if this is actually the Muay Thai we want to represent to the whole world. But the thing is that there is an effort to take it internationally and also to standardize it. And we're going to hear from Stephen Fox. He's the Secretary General of the International Muay Thai Associations, which is the only Muay Thai organization that is recognized by the IOC. He is a former Muay Thai fighter himself. He uh, was also a host of a Muay Thai-based reality show. And he tackles the criticism, but he actually says what is the main motivations of his organization. I think that we are controlling them and that we are trying to put the sport under one umbrella and regulate it, no. Our aim is to protect the most important athletes any society has, any sport has. We try to protect our youth because if we cannot do this, then we have no future. So Mr. Fox there, he's arguing critics just want to monopolize the sport. But then on the other hand, as you say, purists are really worried that once the world gets its hands on Muay Thai, that the soul of the sport, those rituals and dances are going to be lost. So how are we going to strike a balance? Well, we're going to unpack that next. Stay with us. More with Saksit Saisonbut coming up. Are you looking for ways to make your money work harder for you or need tips on saving, investing and making financial decisions? Join me, Sarah Alcaldi, on Money Talks, CNA's top personal finance podcast. From investment basics to the FIRE movement and legacy planning, I look at financial trends and news stories that matter to you. Check out our complete playlist on the CNA app, Apple and Google Podcasts or Spotify. You can also follow us or subscribe for new weekly episodes. Welcome back to CNA Correspondent. Saxith, you also sat down with Sylvie von Douglas Itu. She's an American. She started her Muay Thai journey some 12 years ago, and she's recorded over 270 fights, which is the most by a foreigner in Thailand, male or female. Let's talk about her, but first up, let's listen to what she told you about why culture is so central to the sport. I think that there's a folly to the people who only want to dip their toe in and then go home and call themselves crew. People who really love Muay Thai 
who really get hooked by it and see it for what it is, understand what it is to fall down that rabbit hole and to come here and to feel like you're constantly learning. You are forever the student. Sylvie there, very clear that the heart of Muay Thai is Thai. But Saxith, what needs to be done to ensure that other athletes embrace that perspective too? I think Sylvie, very impressive woman, and she is a very good example of somebody who is not only interested in the sport itself, but also the culture behind it. For example, she maintains an online library of all the old um, grandmasters and all the old legends. It's interesting because her journey started not in Thailand. It started back home in the United States, and she was training under a Thai master. But it wasn't until she moved to Thailand when she actually got the sport. Basically, she finally saw the sport in its cultural context, similar to other cultural goods, right? I mean, we all like food, but we all like foreign food as well. But Mm -hmm. um, we kind of understand, we can read it up about uh, where it comes from and what makes the dish that dish. But in some cases, you only really get it when you actually go to that place and see its origins. So it's very similar here in this case as well that you can only really understand the spot once you are surrounded by it. And also, it's interesting because she said that there's a difference in stakes for foreigners and Thais. You know, for many Thais, especially for many young Thais, this mm-hmm. is a way out of poverty. And that's why their stakes are much higher. For many foreigners, they can afford to come to Thailand. They can afford to learn it. So that's why they don't have that many stakes. They can come here, learn a little bit, and they can always go home. You can see that there's a little bit of discrepancy of how this thing is going on. The, the question is, and one of the main questions in my piece was basically, does anybody, any Muay Thai athlete, no matter where they come from, do they have to come to Thailand in order to be successful in the sport? Not to understand the sport, but to successful in the sport. You can, again, put the same argument that in football, yes, it is played everywhere in the world, but you won't make it big until you play in the big European leagues. So in order to get a little bit of a different perspective, I also spoke to Bokao Banchamek. He is considered one of the legends of Muay Thai, one of the first uh, Muay Thai fighters that actually made it big internationally. He's very famous in Japan, for example. And he actually told me why it's important for fighters to actually come to Thailand. No matter where you're from, if it's Thailand or somewhere else, and where you're going to fight, all that knowledge is coming from Muay Thai. If you learn Muay Thai, you will have the techniques you need to compete in similar disciplines and competitions elsewhere. And we know tourism. It's hugely important to Thailand's economy. Uh, And some argue that Muay Thai is a massive marketing campaign. The government, let's talk about that. They're stepping up its support of the sport so that it thrives abroad. Do you think any Muay Thai athlete, no matter where they're from, needs to go through Thailand to be successful? Let's start off with the government's push for Muay Thai first. You know, I mean, it fits into the overall push by the Thai government to use soft power as a vehicle to promote the country. It's interesting to see how they're using it. And they're also teaming up with other Muay Thai associations and other organizations, basically approaching it from a holistic view. For example, we talked to the World Boxing Council Muay Thai, and they basically said that they envision if, for example, a foreign Muay Thai fighter comes to Thailand and they can offer him a complete package. And if it's, for example, a young, a minor, somebody below 18, if it's a Muay Thai fighter, then he takes the whole family with him. And that's triples the value, for example. 
example. So you can kind of see where this is coming from. They're kind of trying to merge sports with tourism equals money. But then further than that, the question about do you have to come to Thailand to be successful? When we look at other sports, judo, for example, you know, it has been an Olympic sport for quite a while. It's a Japanese sport deeply rooted in that culture as well. But the most successful at the last Olympic Games actually were from France and they were not based in Japan. The flip side of it, for example, also is sumo, a sport, again, a Japanese sport that is uh, very traditional, but the grandmaster is Mongolian, or he was born and raised in Mongolian. The difference you can see here between judo and sumo, for example, sumo is a sport like Muay Thai that is very mm. big in its own country of origin, but not further than that. But then Muay Thai is a sport that can also be applied to other disciplines, for example, mixed martial arts. But the danger that I saw during the research of this story is that the sport could be splitting up into many different directions. I mean, I already talked about that. Traditional Muay Thai here is fought in five rounds. Internationally, it's in three rounds. These new promotions that I talked about early here in Bangkok, they also favor three rounds as well because it's much faster and they have to attack right from the get-go. So the danger here is that it is splitting up in very different directions that we're not talking about only one Muay Thai anymore, but many different iterations of Muay Thai. And it can maybe take the same shape as Western boxing, where you have different federations and different boxings and you don't really know which one is actually the main one and it could hurt the sport in the long run. So where do you see this sport being? Uh, do you expect it to make its Olympic debut? And as a fan, uh, how do you feel about, like you said, these possible many iterations of this sport? It's it's difficult to say. It definitely won't make it to the next Olympic Games in Paris. Uh, that's already we know. The next chance would be in Los Angeles in 2028. And it's very unlikely that the American committee are going to implement Muay Thai. So the pie-in-the-sky thinking of many people that I talk to is that whenever a Olympic Games is being awarded to an Asian country, that it might be implemented there. So that's um, probably still a long way to go. The possibility is there, but mm. the opportunity doesn't have a timetable. Before we wrap this up, I have to ask you, I've been wondering, we talked about you know how important this is for ties because the sport can be seen as a vehicle to a brighter future, fame, all that kind of stuff. Did you ever consider taking up the sport yourself? Before I answer the personal question, yes, I want to highlight that in the piece that we did, we also highlighted the angle of children Muay Thai fighters or kid Muay Thai mm. fighters. And because, as you said, it, it is a vehicle for many to get out of poverty and many have come out of poverty. For example, Bo Kao, uh, he's one of them coming from very humble backgrounds. And we accompanied a gym in uh, Chiang Mai to their fights, kids that were still in their teenagers, but they were still, you know, going at it have four guns blazing and uh, of course it is not without criticism there has been one deadly incident a couple of years ago where people have said that kids shouldn't be fighting Muay Thai because of the uh, injury risk but still keeps going on so this is one thing that I also wanted to highlight in my piece and I recommend everybody to take a look at that now for myself I actually did do Muay Thai and other uh, self-defense sports in my youth. So I did Muay Thai, I did Judo, I did Jiu-Jitsu um, back then. Oh, wow. I didn't know this about you. <laughs> because it's way, way back in the past. So, um, you know, back then when I was a couple of kilograms lighter. <laughs> my personal experience with these sports is that obviously it's good for your health, right? Doing the sports, mm. but also as a teenager at that time, it also gives you a little bit more confidence that you can walk up a little bit more upright. I'm uh, not getting more intimidated than 
that easily. Uh, but a funny side story, you know, a couple months ago, all the correspondents were back in Singapore at HQ and we had hostile environment training. Oh, right. And and one <laughs> lesson was about self-defense. So some of these lessons, some of these experiences, they came back to me. The downside was, you know, is that I was used as a punching bag for the instructors. <laughs> And on that note, thank you so much, Saksith. Thanks for taking us into the ring and also into the controversy of Muay Thai. Thanks for having me, Teresa. The TV version of CNA Correspondent airs on CNA every Wednesday at 9.30pm. You can also catch up with them whenever you like on cna.asia. Follow this podcast version that takes you behind the scenes with our correspondents so you'll know when a new episode is out. The team behind this episode is Clara Ong, Crispina Robert, and me, Teresa Tang. Until next time.